You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky Athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be discussing Kentucky's loss to Vanderbilt at home on Senior Day. I'm going to give my thoughts on that as well as where the Wildcats could be projecting out here uh, as they get closer and closer to the SEC tournament. I don't think that this one is as big of a deal to the Wildcats and where they want to finish in the short term, though, it is a little bit of a problem. I'm going to talk about that on today's episode. Also going to talk about bracketology. And I'm going to give my thoughts on where Kentucky could land and where I would like to see them land because I think we need to be realistic with Kentucky's current resume and where they could rise. I think that there's a lot of things that could happen if they do end up winning the SEC tournament. Not quite sure if that's on the table right now, but we'll get to all of that later on in the show. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. And if you're watching on YouTube, really appreciate you guys watching live. If you would, please like the video and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you have not already. If there are any questions or comments that you guys have about the game as well, uh, you can put that down in the comments below uh, as well. So... Kentucky loses to Vanderbilt on senior day. 68-66 to was the final score. There's a pretty straightforward statistic that I have for this one, and I, I don't really have any other thoughts uh, outside of it, and it comes with Kentucky's shot selection. Vanderbilt was 13 of 19 at the rim, very efficient. They were 4 of 19 from the mid-range area. That is very inefficient. And Vanderbilt was 8 of 24 from 3. That was good for 33.3%. So underneath average there, but not absolutely abysmal. You look at Kentucky's shot selection, though, on the other side of the ball. They were 7 of 10 at the rim. That's good. 70%. But you'll note there are only 10 shots. I want to repeat myself. 10 shots at the rim. Kentucky was 9 of 30 from the mid-range. They shot 30 shots inside the arc that were not in the paint, and they missed all but nine of them. They were also three of 19 from three. Shot selection in this game was a problem. Full stop. Coach Cal said in the post-game presser, that, you know, they wanted to take those shots. They wanted to hit them. They've hit them at a high rate this season. I hope you guys, if you're listening to this today, have been listening for me to me all the way back through last year, last year's season. I continued to say, it's okay to take these mid-range shots, just not at the clip that you're taking them at. Because here's the thought process. If you have a group full of spot-up shooters on the outside, if you've got some players that can catch and shoot really, really well on your perimeter, why are you making them step inside to take shots that are worth 33% less 
than a shot that they're statistically better at hitting just a couple of feet out, just a few feet out. It doesn't make a ton of sense, but it is nice to have different things in your offense to kind of keep opponents on their toes. That's what I kept coming back to last year, and that's what I've said so far this season. If you're going to have the mid-range, have it. Just don't be shooting it. Don't be shooting that, taking that shot 30 times a game. (laughs) It's not efficient. It's not an efficient shot. And there are people out there that will explain, well, Lance, it's not all about the efficiency. It's not all about this, that, or whatever you're trying to argue. You need to have that shot in your arsenal. I'm not arguing. I'm not saying we need to completely do away with it. But what I'm sitting here saying is, if Kentucky wants to win games where their roster is depleted by injury and they are trying to duke it out in order to secure a third-place spot in the SEC tournament, you need to be able to understand that the mid-range, the 30 mid-range shots is not what you want from your offense. It's just not it. It's not it. I will say, though, it was an off night from Kentucky's three-point shooters, and it was a little bit disappointing to see Antonio Reeves go one of eight. There were so many shots that I saw saw Reeves took take rather, excuse me, saw so many shots that he took where it didn't look like he got enough elevation on the ball. He was kind of pushing it and leaving it short. It it, it just, it was an off night. I didn't necessarily feel like a lot of it was rushed, but it was certainly less rushed than what Vanderbilt was doing. Do you remember in the first matchup, something that I noted about the Commodores and their offense is it was kind of different from what the Wildcats had been doing whenever things got out of hand. is um, Kentucky had kind of found a way in that game to remain calm and to stay efficient, whereas Vanderbilt was the team that was sporadic, that was firing up all of these mid-range shots and wasn't hitting them. It was just not getting anything to fall in the paint either. I believe they shot sub-40% in that game the first go-around. I'm like, that's interesting because Kentucky normally does that. Well, the inverse happened in this one. Kentucky ended up shooting 40% on twos. They ended up shooting, what was it, 15%, 16% from three. Kentucky looked like the less patient team in this one. And it was a lot of it, for me, had to stop and end with with the shot selection. If Kentucky would focus in and they would decide to... Focus primarily on getting opportunities right there at the rim, which don't tell me that they didn't try it, or that they did try it, rather. They only took 10. 10. They took three times more. Three times more from the mid-range than they did right there at the basket. It's not going to win you basketball games. Props to Vanderbilt. Props to Jerry Stackhouse. I mean, they are on a roll right now. There's not much else I can say about them. Other than that, they did it without their best player. Liam Robbins only played four minutes, wasn't looking great. If I'm not mistaken, he got hurt, hurt early as well. Uh, Case and Wallace uh, in this one, it's a it's a it's a shame. He he left with with uh, with a foot injury, if I'm not mistaken, an ankle injury, and um, he did not return to the game. I tweeted this out last night. Pretty straightforward here. My thoughts on the game, stop shooting mid-range shots as much as Kentucky does. Case and Wallace's health is the most important thing. That's it. That's it. Kentucky may be in a bad spot moving forward if they're not able to find a way to get Wallace 
back and healthy. Because Severe Wheeler just had a minor surgery to kind of make sure that he's all right and should be back in a couple of weeks, at least according to doctors. I don't know if we'll see. I don't know if we'll see Severe Wheeler again in a Kentucky uniform. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. I couldn't tell you. Um, I can't sit here and speculate because I, I I don't know. C.J. Frederick was was one of three from two, one of four from three. He had six points in this game overall. He was two of seven. Jacob Toppin one of four from inside the arc, zero of three from outside it. Oscar Shebway was the most valuable player in this game, I think, outside of Tyron Lawrence, Tyron Lawrence and Jordan Wright uh, for Vanderbilt. Uh, two guys that we pointed out in the preview episode with uh, Tristan Ferris. Uh, he said, look, Ty- Tyron Lawrence uh, can go. He- he's a really, really talented player. Shebway, though, uh, 5 of 10 from the floor, uh, took 15 free throws because they kept hacking him. Had 20 rebounds. 10 of them were offensive. 10 of them were defensive. Three blocks, a steal, two assists. I mean, your front court wasn't the problem in this one. It, it was your guard play. And what have we said? On the show, if Kentucky can't get it out of their guards, then it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a dogfight. At the end of the day, though, I think for the most part, this is going to be fine for a couple of reasons. I want to get to those in a second. Before I do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, and that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to the point scores, threes drained. Uh, you can also bet on player props like points, rebounds, assists, steals, all that's good stuff. And there's so many more exclusive bets on top of that. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. You can make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, continuing along here on the Thursday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Really appreciate everybody watching live on YouTube. If you have not liked the video already, please go ahead and do so. And if you're not subscribed to the channel, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and hop on the train as, we, as we're as we in March. This is it, guys. I hate for us to be rolling in uh, off of a loss here, but it's, uh, it's March. It's that time of year, and things are getting really serious. With Kentucky and their situation following their loss to the Commodores, they currently sit in the SEC standings at fourth, tied for fourth. They are eleven and seven in league, or excuse me, eleven and six in league play. Uh, Tennessee is also eleven and six as well. Projections say that Tennessee will beat Auburn this Saturday. Kentucky uh, is projected to lose to Arkansas this weekend. So here's the thought process. Missouri is 10 and 7. Vanderbilt is 10 and 7. I'm not quite sure how the tiebreaker would work if Kentucky and Vandy both finished uh, with the same record in league play. Here's how I think it's going to play out. I think Tennessee's going to lose to Auburn. I think Tennessee will lose to Auburn this weekend at, uh, in Auburn. And I think Kentucky will lose to Arkansas. 
if they beat Arkansas, this is not a conversation. Kentucky is eleven and or twelve and six, and they're third place in the SEC. Great, but if Missouri loses, they're eleven and seven. Missouri, I don't remember who they play. They play Ole Miss at home, and then Vanderbilt plays Mississippi State at home. So that's not great. But if one of them lose, Kentucky is still in as the fourth seed in the SEC tournament, and they will have received that double bye. Right? Yeah. I think what we said a couple of weeks ago with Alabama playing the way that they have and playing the way that they did against Kentucky, I would not want to see Alabama in the second uh, in the semifinals of the SEC tournament, uh, especially after playing a difficult team like a five seed that would end up being Tennessee, Missouri, Vanderbilt, one of those three, would not want to see that. Would not want to see that. Kentucky's in a difficult spot right now for the SEC tournament. But if, if if things work out in their favor, then they've got that three seed, and they'll end up playing, likely, Alabama in the SEC tur- tournament championship if they make it. If they make it. So you're looking past this now, right? You're looking past the SEC tournament. I don't know if Kentucky's going to be able to pick up a win. I, I, I'm kind of worried about whether or not they'll be able to to do anything in the SEC tournament if Cason Wallace is not healthy. Because if he's not healthy, and Severe Wheeler's not healthy, and C.J. Frederick has just come back from a rib injury, uh, who's going to play the one? Is it going to be a Duthiero that has to step it up? Is it Antonio Reeves that's going to have to slide up and maybe handle some ball uh, handling duties as well? I don't know. I don't know. We'll just have to see. Kentucky, though, uh, you look at the bracketology reports right now, they've slid Kentucky down from a 6 to a 7 seed. But I think we need to, to ask a question here about Kentucky and moving up and get making a deep tournament run. So we talked with Tristan Ferris of Kentucky Insider on Tuesday, I believe. Talked with him on Tuesday about the Wildcats and whether or not they could slide up past the sixth seed that they were projected to be at the time. And he said they're probably going to end up being a six or a seven. They could end up sliding up to the five, but things would have to really work out in their favor. And let's think about this for a second. If Kentucky finds a way to get up to that five C line, first of all, great. You know, awesome. They were able to climb all the way back from the depths of of non-existence uh, outside the postseason. But look at who they would be matching up against. Okay, so the five seed would be playing the 12 and their opening round game. Then they would be playing the four or the 13 seed. If you make it to the Sweet 16, you are going to have to more than likely play a one seed. And those one seeds right now are Alabama, Houston, Purdue, and Kansas. Kentucky has already lost to two of those teams. One of them, I think that they could beat on a neutral site if you played the game 10 times in a row. Kentucky wins three or four of them. So I like my odds there, but still, I don't want to play Alabama or Houston or Purdue or Kansas unless I absolutely have to. Look at the two seeds right now. 
They are Kansas State, Texas, Marquette, and UCLA. One of those teams, Kentucky barely lost to, and three of those teams, Kentucky is yet to face. Two of those teams, if I'm not mistaken, have pretty solid defenses, uh, so that may be a bad matchup. But my point here being is this. If Kentucky ends up being a six or a seven seed, I would much rather play a field of six, 11, three, 14, 10, two, and 15 as a seven seed than have to potentially play a one and a five and a four, or excuse me, a one and a four uh, before I get to the Elite Eight. If I can get to the Elite Eight and only have to face my most difficult opponent being a two seed, and you look at the draw that you would have in any of these regions with a two, I like those chances a little bit more than having to face off against Houston, Purdue, Kansas, or Alabama. I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but but I'm going to mention it again. There is a YouTube uh, video by SB Nation and John Boyce. Uh, It's a chart party episode where he goes through and explains why the NCAA tournament is, I believe the phrasing he uses is a losing machine, and it breaks down how actually statistically the four and five seeds have the most difficult time getting past the the Sweet 16 on the round of 32. You have to stay as far away from the one seeds as possible uh, from, from a numbers perspective to have a chance at making it to the postseason, or through the postseason, rather, I should say. So that's the spot that we're in with Kentucky. I think that they would be better off being a six seed. And you may say that's crazy. I think the numbers would reflect it. I also think the matchups would reflect it. Uh, that Kentucky right now, especially if they're dealing with Case and Wallace with an injury, if they can make it into the tournament as a six seed, meaning they somehow beat Arkansas or win a couple of games in the SEC tournament, then I'm okay with that. I'm perfectly fine with that. I think that that's where Kentucky wants to find themselves if they want to make a deep run. I got a couple of questions in chat I need to get to. I saw a thumbnail that says, back to square one for Cal, goes to show how flippy floppy a lot of the fans are. I'll say this one. Um, I've also been that way as well, where I have been frustrated and then kind of uh, cooled down on the way that Cal and this coaching staff and this team have performed. But at the same time, I also think it's fair to judge this coaching staff and specifically Calipari on how these first, the first and second halves of the season have gone. It is a significant turnaround and adjustment from him and his staff, I think. It's also finding confidence for these players and getting them to have a little bit more chemistry than they did to begin the year. It's good coaching and it's good player development, but it also does not take away from the fact that the beginning of this year was awful. I don't think anybody in their right mind would have said with Kentucky at 10-6, and 1-3 and three in league play that everything was just going to work out and Kentucky was going to all of a sudden get back in the top 25 and just go crazy and, and Cal was going to really be able to figure this out. I sat here and kind of rode the fence. I was very critical of the way that some of the things were playing out, but at the same time, I continued to refrain on the fact that Kentucky still had a chance to do something. It was not over until it was officially over. So I think moving forward into next season, there needs to be criticism where criticism is due. But we can't sit here and, like you said, Swan, go up and down and up and down by and on a game-by-game basis. We have to look at the, the overall product 
and criticize the individual moments, I think, individually. I think the first and second halves of the season are very different, and they can be discussed in their own way without calling somebody a hypocrite. You also ask, could Toppin be the one? I know he's not that type, but as a size and drive threat, make it a possible factor. Uh, what is it called, a point forward? I, I, I don't necessarily know if, uh, if Swan, if, if Kentucky would want to do that. I also don't know if he's got the ball handling skills to do that, just based on what I've seen out of him when Kentucky wants a little something out of him in the half-court offense. I don't know if he'd be capable of that. I mean, it'd be fun. I just don't think you're at the point in the season right now where you'd want him over a guy like Frederick or Reeves or Thierro, but that's just me. It could be a fun a fun uh, conversation, though. Danny says, can't remember being as frustrated with this season as this one, even the 9-16 and season. At least you knew what to expect. Yeah, and, and that's the situation, right? Is Kentucky has kind of found a way to play to their peak, and they are playing good basketball, or at least they were up until last night. And I truly don't think that this is going to take that much of a dip in uh, they're going to take that much of a dip as far as how well they've been playing overall recently. I think they're going to find a way to grind some of these game, more games out. I think they're going to find a way to get one or two wins in the SEC tournament if they get that three spot, if they get that three seed. I think they'll find a way to compete against Arkansas. I've said time and time again, I don't think they're winning that game. But the more I see Arkansas play, the less confident I feel in the Razorbacks. So anything could happen here. Anything could happen. We could see Kentucky all of a sudden go on a run. And that's right. You're, you're right, Danny. It's literally just you don't know what to, to make of it. You could predict anything. It's like I was asked a couple of episodes ago about Andy Patton of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. You should go check out that podcast, by the way, if you have not. highly encourage you guys to go search that up actually right now uh, if you've got nothing else going on uh, outside of hanging out here with us. But he asked me you know, where I could see Kentucky – Legit, legitimately taking this, it, like, could they make like a legitimate title run? And I said, maybe. I, I said, and I hate to ride the fence like that. I, I just, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. You get one Kentucky team, uh, one game, and you get one that shoots thirty mid-range shots the next. And part of that's coaching. Nothing else to say about it. Very frustrating, but also very exciting. That's just the reality of Kentucky basketball right now. You get what you get. And the question here is, what are they going to do against Arkansas? What are they going to do for an encore to kind of get past this dip in what has been a very productive stretch to end the year? We'll just have to see. I hope they've got a good game plan ready. I hope they're going to be out there fighting. I think it's going to be a fun one. We, tomorrow, though, before we get to our preview episode, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys right now, uh, could have a special guest on the show could have a potential starter uh, for the Kentucky Wildcats hopping on either this weekend or early next week. I'll just have to let you guys know. So make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel so that you do not miss what could be uh, probably the biggest interview uh, in, the, uh, in the history of my time doing this podcast. So that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hey, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Stahl underscore, and you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Again, we will be previewing Kentucky basketball's matchup with the Arkansas Razorbacks tomorrow. Make sure you are subscribed so that you don't miss that. Also, big interview coming up. Make sure you sub for that one. I will see you all, all tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.